0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of Created for Connection, a podcast that explores the way we become isolated from one another, but how God moves us toward connection with Him and with each other. Today's episode is a continuation of our Enneagram series. Dr. Shannon Rakes and Stacey Joyner are back to discuss Numbers 3 through 6. We're going to share the strengths and weaknesses of each personality type and talk about what healing can look like. Regardless of your awareness of the Enneagram or your own number, we think learning more about this can help us all be more empathetic and gracious toward what each of us need to grow and heal. To everyone listening, we're glad you're here. Welcome back to Creative for Connection. Uh, it's Paul here, and unfortunately today we are without Kevin, which I, I know um, is, is a sad thing. Kevin, we miss you. Hopefully, you listen to this episode. I, I wonder if that's going to affect whether or not he listens to the episode. But um, uh, fortunately for me, and fortunately for you guys who are listening, uh, Shannon and Stacy are back with me today to Yay. go over the the rest of the Enneagram numbers that we did not hit in our first two episodes on the Enneagram so welcome Shannon and welcome Stacy.
1: thank you for having us back so glad to be here it's always a good time when we get to come on your podcast
0: yeah you know, this any, is just go ahead any
2: good any good series has to come in a trilogy, you know, like Lord of the Rings. I like
1: that. And you know what? The Enneagram is all about groups of three and trilogies. So it's kind of perfect. Yep. There you go.
0: (laughs) You know, something just did not feel right with two. And the funny thing was after people listened to that second one, we got feedback saying I'm a three or four or five or six. And then you stop on you, 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 skip over those and go straight to seven. And I didn't get to hear anything about me. And, and so people wanted to hear about their number and about what it's like, uh, to, I, to be them and to have probably the struggles they have. So we're going to get to talk about that today and to
2: give the people what they want.
0: Yeah, that's right. Speaking of which, if, if you are interested in this topic, or if you have other topics that you want us to delve into i do encourage you either to comment um on uh, wherever you are uh, are listening to this podcast or now we have a facebook page that i'll link in the notes or you can use our email address and get back to us and again um we'll i'll put uh, uh, information up for you to also connect with stacy and shannon as well shannon speaking of which you are now Fully uh Dr. Rakes, correct?
2: Yes. I actually went to Orlando about two weekends ago and I got to walk across the stage and I got hooded. And just to be a seven, I the girl I was sitting next to and I, we planned a secret handshake. So when we got up on the stage, uh, we turned to each other and we did our little handshake, and everybody in the crowd started laughing. Why have so, I not seen a video of that? I need to see it That <laughs> I may be hiding that video, but no, just um, Oh,
0: we need to see that, Shannon. Yeah. Do you have a recording? <laughs> people on
2: it. Mm-hmm. Yes, my parents, my proud, sweet parents were out in the audience and they recorded it. So maybe I'll share that with you guys. That's amazing.
0: Now, yeah, it, that was was a, a, it was in Orlando, yeah?
2: Yeah, it was in Orlando and my whole family met there and it was just a really sweet time to be together. And then since then, I've been pursuing, you know, my dream of uh, being a professor, and it's been such a blessing. There's been some opportunities that have been coming up, so I think pretty soon I might, um, you know, be in those in the professor shoes. So that's very exciting.
0: Well, congratulations, Dr. Rakes. We are very proud of you. Thank you. And Stacey, what's going on in your world?
1: Well, I just need to let everybody know kind of a heads up. Um, I mentioned before I have five kids and ages nine to one, everyone is home sick today. (laughs) So I'm in the office and there's no door, but um, and they're all upstairs in the loft. So if you hear anything, just um, try to ignore it. Just tune it out because I've already tuned it out. Um, They're all upstairs with my amazing husband who is super dad. And we can get into that. He's a type three. So he is on top of it. And they're in great hands. But if you hear anything, um, yeah, just ignore it. (laughs) They're good. They'll be fine. (laughs) You hear anything
2: breaking or shattering? There's
1: no telling. I promise you. There's no (laughs) telling.
0: This is a a real life as it happens sort of podcast. Mm-hmm. So yep. you know, this is yep. just this is the real world. We're we're not polished like that. And this like is the-
1: this is my commitment to the pod too. You know, I've got kid, sick kids at home. They can fend for themselves for a little while while we do this. So,
0: Stacey, so. are are all five kids sick?
1: No, um, three. Yeah. Three of them are, but then there's the baby who is into everything. He's 19 months old, something like that. And he's into everything. And then uh one of the seven year olds is on is doing okay. She's not as, you know, as the other one. So oh, good times. That's, good times in the joiner household. That's kind of overwhelming.
2: See. You should share that story you told me about, you know, the vacation
1: you took last week. All right, I will. Um, Paul, if you decide to edit this out, I will not be offended because it's pretty <laughs> um, horrific. But this is a good story. This is a
0: oh, good one for I,
1: the books. <laughs>
0: I think we'll we'll keep it no matter what. So, what happened?
1: Well, it which kind of plays into this. So, we're headed out of town to North Carolina for spring break. Um, and the night before we leave, my nine-year-old gets up and he's sick all night, just throwing up, and so. You know, in all of our um, infinite wisdom, we decide, well, we'll just like get him settled. He's nine. So he's not like, you know, throwing up everywhere. He can make it to the bathroom. It's fine. It's not like it's like, you know, one of the toddlers getting sick. So the next morning I'm starting to feel a little queasy and I'm like, it's in my head. You know, like anytime I smell any kind of vomit, like it's just in my head. So I'm trying to rally get the car packed. Like we're, we're going to go, we're going to make this seven hour drive and we're going to do it. Well, I end up getting sick and I'm like, okay, it was just the coffee on my stomach that came up. No big deal. <laughs> um, and then I was feeling fine. I was like, let's, you know, we'll get settled again. We'll go. It was just me and a, we're not going to pass it on to the rest. At this point I was thinking it was a stomach bug. So we get on, on the road. Um, finally, it was about two in the afternoon and we were supposed to leave that morning. So we're like, all right, little hiccup. We'll just get there later than we planned. We were bound and determined for this vacation. (laughs) This shows (laughs) mine and my husband's Enneagram types because we're both aggressive, just let's do it. Um, So anyway, we get on the road and about two hours in, um, I hear my husband say, Uh, space, I'm like, yeah, I had just fallen asleep. So I was like, why are you waking me up? I just fallen asleep. (laughs) He's like, we got to pull over. I'm getting sick. So we pull over at a gas station. He doesn't make it inside the gas station. So he's like, on this, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. So I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling better. I'm settled. I'm going to drive. You just rest. We thought he had gotten everything up. I'm like, all right. we all got this crazy stomach bug. I'm not kidding you. As soon as I get up, we go in the interstate. I'm driving. and it I'm like, I need a bowl. So we had throw bowls everywhere, obviously, because so I grab one. I am driving down the interstate, throwing up. Sage <laughs> oh, no. pops up. He starts holding the bowl for me. I'm getting dizzy because at this point I have nothing on my stomach the entire day. So I'm like feeling like I'm going to faint and he's thinking in his head, okay, if she faints, how am I going to get us off the state? He's like playing all these like worst case scenarios because he's a three and he goes to um, six. in six. one of str- He goes to six and health. So I guess he was like, let's do this. <laughs> so he was trying to figure out how to, you know, maintain any accident from happening. I'm like no I'm fine we just got to pull off and get a hotel or something because we can't even drive home at this point so we're like in Savannah area well it's St. Patrick's Day the day before St. Patrick's Day in Savannah which if you don't know anything about that St. Patrick's Day is crazy in Savannah so we pull up to the first hotel and Sage goes in because I'm still like recovering and he is in line to talk to um to the receptionist or whatever you call her there and he goes and he has to run down the hallway try to make it to the bathroom doesn't make it to the bathroom explodes in the hallway <laughs> then goes to the bathroom and even more and then he comes back out and has, he's like cleaning up their hallway he's like I couldn't leave it like that that was just awful so he cleans up and we leave we just like hightail it out of that hotel go across the street to another hotel I go in and check us in there we get all the kids in and Sage and I are just like laying on the bed like what is happening? <laughs> well, then our four year old, like, oh, I'm getting sick. So I hand her the ball and she starts getting sick. Then my daughter Jovi starts getting sick. And then thankfully, so let's see, it's everybody but two of the boys now. There's a lot of us so I have to think through. So then I'm like, okay, um, What is like, it seems like it's just food poisoning. must've been like the meat I had made at dinner the night before is all I can think of because my seven-year-old son who didn't get it that day, he hadn't, he didn't eat dinner with us that night. He had the leftovers the next day and he got sick the next day after we had already gotten to the cabin. So everybody, but Bo, the baby got sick. And that's because I've never been more thankful that he throws all the food off of his tray and doesn't eat half the things we give him. So that was the story of us getting to our spring break cabin. Um, The next morning we woke up all feeling great and just headed on our way. Like nothing happened, left our mark on that poor hotel. I was going to say you left your little Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, we sure did. But you know what? We persevered. We made it and we ended up having a fantastic spring break. So with just our little, not little or not so little family, but I've to been cooking that
2: meal. Oh, girl. Heck
1: no. No. I don't think anybody would be able to stomach that, which is weird that now the stomach bug is going around like crazy. So I'm pretty sure that's what my children have picked up at school this week. So we're on round two of all the vomit that I can handle. I'm done. (laughs) I'm done with
0: it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So. Shannon, I'm kind of feeling a little sick. Are you? I, I told you,
2: like, if you want to edit this uh, out, I will not be a bit.
0: Sick. Everybody listening to this episode now.
2: <laughs> it's like running for the bathroom. That's right. right? Uh,
0: I, I'm just imagining, you know, sometimes you drive past people on the highway and you just, you know, different people are doing different stuff mm-hmm. in their cars and somebody looks over at you. You're literally holding a ball, throwing up and driving at the same time.
1: <laughs> and you know, it was like. I knew it had to be food poisoning because I'm not like, that was a violent, that was violent and it was, I couldn't control it. And then that night I was fine to eat dinner. So that shows that it's weird. That's how food poisoning works. So
2: I've seen people on their phones and I've seen, you know, people texting, but I've never seen anyone barfing in the front seat.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm a trailblazer. I just, (laughs)
2: Oh, think of new goodness. ways
1: to new ways to create hazard.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> I I totally think that if you and your husband were not eight and three, I, I think other personalities would have given up and gone home. So I do think that right, yeah. story connects to the enneagram.
1: Oh, we know we're crazy. We know we're crazy. Everybody, yeah. you know, if you've seen us with all of our Small children into we go everywhere and do everything with them all because we're we're crazy like that. <laughs> well done, Paul. I was wondering how we we're going to connect
2: that to the enneagram. So
0: yeah, yeah, really
2: brought it around.
0: Yeah. Before we do, uh, Shannon and and some people might listen to this and they have um, and they have not listened to our other episodes on the enneagram. So would you kind of frame our conversation and why? We're talking about this on a, on a podcast that is, that is about connection. How, are we, how do we connect with God and with other people, especially when we feel isolated and disconnected? How do you see this conversation fitting into that and where we're going today?
2: Well, we have been um, diving into the nine different numbers of the Enneagram, which is a personality um, type system. But we've been doing it through the lens, a gospel-centered lens and a biblical lens. Um, And we've also been talking a little bit about inner healing um, because our goal in all of this is not to just sit in uh, these fears, these core beliefs that we can have in our types. Specifically, we've been, I would say, focusing on the core fears of each type because a lot of times uh, fear can really hold us back from connection. A lot of times, the enemy uses fear in order to paralyze us and to keep us from moving forward in faith. And so today, you know, is kind of going to be the the end of our trilogy, if you will. Um, just to talk a little bit, we're going to finish out the numbers that we didn't get to cover, and also just dive a little bit deeper and unpack a little bit more um, of how the inner healing process can apply to these things that we go through and how it specifically might relate to the number that we are. And, you know, I don't really, I'm I'm encouraging everybody listening to um, not get wrapped up so much in what number am I, but rather just see what resonates with you here, because a lot of the fears that we'll talk about have a similar core, you know, um, they might overlap a little bit. So you know, we're going to talk a little bit about how can you, um, you know, take your particular, um, struggle to the Lord and how can you find healing and freedom? Because in freedom, that's when, you know, we're going to be able to press into relationships, um, you know, coming from a healthy place. And, you know, a lot of times in relationships, we might shrink back. There's a verse that I love in Hebrews 10, it talks about, we are not of those who shrink back, and I just love that because the Lord us to live in a life of shame and hiding. But, you know, when we're really walking in that freedom, we get to live in our Christ-like and Christ-created identity, and we can bring our true selves and our authentic selves to our relationships.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Shannon. That was really well said. Um, it also made me think that if we can connect the different enneagram numbers to a character from lord of the rings that might be helpful just to kind of wrap it all together so um we're
2: thinking about that
0: so uh what we're going to do is we're going to turn it over to stacy and and i guess we're going to start with uh number 3 which is where we we kind of skipped and jumped from 2 to 7 last time and and then we'll we'll do what you were talking about shannon where we we learn about the number and also talk about what does is, what is healing look like in, in the life of these different um, forms of personality. So Stacy, take it away.
1: Yeah, so the type three um, is sometimes called the achiever. Um, I prefer the term performer because um, threes really fear being worthless. And so what they do um, is they read a room or any kind of social setting or group to see what they need to do to be successful or to um, to have worth in that group. So they've heard the message that it's not okay to have your own feelings or identity. Um, and they just really want to feel valuable and worthwhile. And so the way that they do that, the way that they move through the world is they kind of... Ad- attach themselves to a certain identity that they see as successful. So it's not necessarily um, just achievement or success in the workforce. Maybe they grew up in a um, conservative Christian home. And so they see a certain type of success as being a good Christian or whatever it is, they have attached themselves to that. So I can kind of speak For my husband, um, I got permission to talk about him today, um, which he loves it anyway, because he's a three. Um, But he has always identified with the type seven and just the um, life of the party, optimistic, outgoing personality. But that's because growing up, that's what was appreciated and worthwhile in the world that he grew up in. And so once he started to kind of unpack um, the motivations that he was noticing in his heart and his, um, his actions, he started to kind of feel a relief. He said a a feeling of relief just came over him that he didn't have to be that person anymore, that he had um, kind of just, you know, almost like a, a chameleon, like just attached to that kind of identity Um, So that's what the type three um, really has to process through. And and threes have a hard time typing a lot of times because they see, oh, maybe they want to be a type seven or they they a Christian woman should be a type two or whatever it is that they see as um, what most people love or what most people appreciate. Sometimes they'll attach on to that. So it's really um, it's really more difficult sometimes for a type three to. Find their uh, motivations.
0: So, Stacy, um, when you're talking about that, it does ring true. I mean, it sounds familiar. As and I, in w- we talked about, I guess in the in in the previous episode about I'm I'm identifying as a nine, but that mm-hmm. that kind of trying to find yourself and getting mixed up with the different numbers and am I am I this or or that. Um, I, I want to be liked in a crowd, you know in the crowd that I'm in. that does ring true to the nine, too. So what how would you differentiate the two impulses between you know the three's motivation versus the nine? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, so the nine, um, their main motivation is um, not they don't want any conflict in their world. They just want peace and they want everything to be good. While the three wants that as well. They mostly want to feel love. So there will be in the heart triad. So the twos, threes, and fours are in the heart triad. So they are avoiding shame at all costs. And they feel shame on a very deep level. And we all feel shame, but that's their, kind of their go-to like reactionary um, feeling is shame. And so they are in the heart center, but they are almost, it's kind of like they don't, know what they're they kind of shut down their emotions so they take in information with their emotion and then they use their head to logic it away if that makes sense
2: and just to add I think you know something to keep in mind when you're continuing to try to land on a number for yourself and figure out where you fit is a lot of times the behaviors can look the same but it's the motivation underneath And what's driving those? That's kind of how you can tell, and that's why it's really hard. A lot of times, people will try to tell you, "Oh, you're a three, you're a this, you're that," but truly, you know, you are the one who knows what's going on inside your heart and your head. And people may not always realize, you know, oh, well, you know, as a two, you're a servant because you really care about people and all that. Or are you doing it to just be seen by others? So it really does matter, you know, what's driving that behavior
0: you know, some of the people that I know that say they are a three, they are some of the most successful people that I've come across. I mean, they, they are driven, they've got degrees. They, um, they, the appearance of their life is that of success. And I, sometimes I feel like, Oh gosh, like they've got things figured out when I look at them. But what I'm hearing is there's kind of an internal drive to say, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing towards the this activity and these achievements because I also want I want the the esteem or the affection of other people as I which is what I get I think what what people want to get when they when they achieve these things is that right
1: Yes and sometimes you know it's not even just other people like my husband has said sometimes it's even with the lord like he feels like he has to prove himself to God sometimes. And so I think it goes back to a deeper level with our connection with other people and with the Lord. So if I am hearing this voice that I am what I do and I am um, the, what I put out in the world, then it's going to hinder my walk with the Lord. You know, it's going to hinder how I interact with him in my prayer life and my surrender to him in certain areas. So I think that's also important to remember um, that threes, they really just want to hear that you're loved and valued for who you are, period.
0: That, that also um, makes me think about if the f- primary response to whatever the, the unsettledness is inside of a person that, that is a three um, is to do something. And then we're like, well, no, it's more about who you are and being. How do you help somebody that's used to activity kind of move towards this posture of uh, being receptive or kind of staying in those places that are more um, where, where you're just trying to be? I don't know if that question makes sense, but I, I've, I'm wrestling with like, how do you encourage somebody to, to make that shift from the doing to the being?
1: Yeah. So there are three numbers that we consider human doings or consider themselves as human doings instead of human beings. And, um, those are, um, threes, sevens, and eights. And so it's important for all three of those numbers to be still before the Lord, to not just quiet your mind, to not just quiet your heart, but to quiet your, to be still, to like physically stop doing things and sit in the presence of the Lord and that's all and just be and that's a really good spiritual practice for me and for my husband that's we I've talked a lot about how we have started really focusing on sabbathing um and we plan out our sabbath we were just talking about it this morning because it's so important for us um, for our spiritual disciplines to make sure that we are still before the Lord
2: And it kind of reminds me of the whole purpose of this podcast um, and what we're talking about, because we're going to, you know, talk a little bit more about how to bring about some of the healing, but you might not even realize that you're doing it. And I think that's because Satan acts with deception and, uh, you know, we keep stressing, like, take this to the Lord, go to the Lord, because we can be easily deceived. And something, I know this sounds so silly, but one time I heard a quote, that just always stuck with me. And it's something about, um, of being deceived is that you don't know you're being deceived. So people may right now, like Paul, to your point, be a big performer and so successful. And they may feel like, Hey, I've got this together and they may not realize, you know, wait a minute, I'm very far from the Lord suddenly, because I've been trying to achieve and, um, you know, that's why we encourage you to, you know, sit with the Lord in this kind of thing and ask, could this be going on with me? And to Stacy's point earlier, you know, each of these numbers, as we talk about relationships with each other, our main relationship, our primary relationship is our relationship with the Lord. You know, our vertical relationship has to be solid before our horizontal relationships can be. So all these things that are true for, you know, me to another person are equally true, if not more than to, you know, me with God. So to the three who really desperately wants to be loved for who they are, you know, a lie they might be believing is, well, God will love me if, you know, God will love me if I'm more successful or, you know, God's love is even based on our success, you know, and if I'm not doing well, then maybe that means God doesn't love me, you know, so, Um, we talk in inner healing about this really powerful idea of fruit to root or root to fruit. Um, The idea being, you know, in Matthew seven, Jesus talks about, you will know a tree by its fruit. So the fruit that we bear can be a, a strong indicator to what the root is in our hearts that's going on. So if you think about um, in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the spirits. So the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. Well, what's the opposite of peace? Well, anxiety. What's the opposite of joy? Well, sadness, depression, you know, whatever. Um, so these kinds of emotions, when we start feeling these emotions, and we've talked about this a little bit on a prior podcast, but it's not bad. Oh, I'm, I'm, anger's bad. I can't get mad. That's not it. It's okay. I'm feeling mad. What is this indicating is going on in my heart right now? And that's the idea behind the root to fruit. So when you start to notice these fruits, that's the time to sit down and ask the Lord. Lord, please reveal to me what could the root of this be? And we need the Lord's power to uproot that and then replace that root um, with His own truth, out of our for our hearts to be able to heal and for us to move on.
0: So if a, if a three is listening right now and they've noticed that maybe they're kind of running on the rat race like they're the, the wheels spinning and they're, the plates are spinning and all the different metaphors for when life feels kind of out of control and they're feeling anxious, anxious um, or overwhelmed, that could be one indicator. you said depressed as well. What are other sorts of fruit that could that could be indicative that, a three can, needs to pay attention to see how God might want to bring some healing or transformation in their life?
1: I was going to say, um, threes go to nine in stress. And so what that can look like is kind of disengaging and becoming more apathetic, numbing out to the world. Um, and that's how they numb that um, hole in their heart that they're feeling. That's how they're numbing that man, I'm, I'm getting burned out and I'm doing all this stuff and it's not satisfying me. And I know it's not satisfying the Lord and it's not satisfying the relationships around me. And so that's a sign that you can tell that um, a three is headed in the wrong direction of stress.
2: And the beautiful thing is that in our healing, we're just cooperating with what the Lord wants to do. So he is going to bring about these circumstances in our life that are going to bring us to the end of ourselves. And I mean, I, not to get off on a whole other podcast, but, you know, I mean, just that idea of suffering and the way that the Lord wants to work through difficult seasons of our life. A lot of times we want to numb those out, but what we're really doing is we're, you know, the Lord might be trying to take this opportunity to bring about some healing in these things. And that's why it's important to stop and ask, you know, as a three- um, you know, I like to say, Stacy was sharing some of the core longings and the core fears of each number. And I like to think of those fears too. They have, I call them like a, what if, so each of these numbers has like a, what if question. So for a three, a, what if could be, well, what if I fail? Well, what if I don't do it? Right. You know? Um, and all these roots, all these fears are, um, are based in lies because fear is not from the Lord so we can get with the lord and ask you know what lie am i believing and then when did i start believing that lie when was that root planted and he can begin to reveal things to us that we had no idea um so the lies you know the roots for a three um we know that they want to be seen as capable and they're like stacy said the performers and the achievers So a lot of times the lies that they're hearing and believing and the deception could be related to being a failure, you know, I'm a failure and being incapable. So ways um, to, when you're sitting with the Lord, ways to seek his intervention and ask for his help is asking questions like, when was that lie affirmed in your life? You know, was there a circumstance that took place and you got the message that I'm a failure? Um, When was I shamed by my feelings? When did I start to believe that my worth is defined by my accomplishments? So those are just some ideas of questions that we can take to the Lord um, in order for him to speak truth into those lies that we might be believing.
0: Oh, that's good, Shannon. Um, So is there, I I feel the need to push on towards number four, but is there any other aspect of, um, of inner healing that we we need to address with threes before we go there?
2: I don't think so. I think, you know, we'll have more things as we go along.
1: I was just going to say, I just think it's important for the three to, um, to really search out their heart for who they're performing for. Right. Is it a, Are they performing for, there's a certain person they have in mind that they might want to be, or that they want their approval. And sometimes it's really helpful to, for the Holy Spirit to show them that so they can break free from that.
0: Ooh, that's good. That's very interesting. Uh, I'm thinking about the threes I know and some of the conversations we've had, so uh, well, let's move on to the fours—the the one, the unique ones that no one else is is like.
1: The misunderstood—they're actually <laughs> called the individualists, but I like to call them the misunderstood because that's that all fours that I've ever met identify with the four, but also feel like they're not totally in that category, if that makes sense, because they're all individual. They can't, um, be
0: con- they can't be contained by one number,
1: right? Right, right. And they're not like anybody else. They're their own person, which is true. And that's that's true. So that's part of the good side of it, that we are all unique. Um, but their basic fear is having no identity or personal significance. So that is almost like they're overcompensating for that by trying to prove their individualism is that they are are not having that Um, somewhere along the line they heard the message that um, it's not okay to feel important you're too much your emotions are too much Um, and so they've started to move through the world with that um, that identity put on them they're just too much Um, their basic desire is to find themselves and their significance and to be authentic. Fours, I actually find myself drawn to fours. I have, a, one of my sisters is a four. I have a lot of four friends. And the reason I'm drawn to fours is because they authenticity. I don't have to wonder if they're thinking something different than what they're saying. They're just gonna say it. They're gonna call out the elephant in the room. They're gonna, it, they don't care. They're not ashamed of their feelings. They are comfortable in their feelings. They are comfortable sitting in sadness. That doesn't mean they're all depressed, sad people. Um, that just means that they're comfortable in it and they're okay with it. And I admire that about fours is that they know how to, um, to feel. as something that I wish I could do better. So I do admire that about fours. The problem is, is when they sit in that too long and get stuck in their emotions and don't process through them the healthy way. Um. And so they wanna hear that you are seen and loved for who you are. So it's kind of like the three, but this one um, is different and they both feel shame, but this one, this number does feel all the feels where threes kind of categorize them and, and yeah, they kinda can compartmentalize a little better. Fours, they can't do that. They are what they feel. And that is their authentic, true self. That's why a lot of fours are great artists because they can, um, pour their emotions into whatever form of art they are interested in.
0: So the, the person I'm thinking about that I know is a four is very comfortable sitting with people in, in hard feelings and discomfort and in pain and is able to connect there. And I feel like it's a real gift, uh, where, like you said, emotion is not a scary thing. And the, the harder emotions or the, the, the darker emotions, I think of, of sadness. Um, it's not a, it's not bad, you know, to be sad for, for, um, those are just part of life, but I hear you saying they can get kind of stuck in those places and it's hard for them to So maybe calibrate.
1: Yeah. It's a form of like self-absorbency. So four sometimes do have a hard time with the Enneagram because it can just, they can, um, with self-awareness, they can kind of get stuck in me, 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 and not the growth of it. So that's one thing. Um, if you're searching your heart and you're a four, you want to make sure that you are asking the Lord, you know, to show you ways to look out, to process your emotions and then to also look outward a little more. If
2: you think about what it's like to be a four, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you're feeling these really big, strong feelings and you feel so misunderstood and you don't feel like you really belong because you're wondering like, can anybody really understand? Can anybody meet me where I am? And you're afraid the answer is no, you know, that's your what if, what if my emotions are too big, you know, and you're also worried about meaning being your life being meaningless. So um, a lot of their lies are based in that idea of significance, wanting significance, but where are we finding our significance? Um, You know, a lot of times I think fours are looking to find it in you know, in the wrong places, kind of like what Stacy was saying about a three, like who are you trying to please, but a four could, you know, think about where are you trying to find that significance? And the thing about, um, you know, taking these things to Jesus is that the gospel and Jesus, it is, he is the answer to all of these questions. He is the answer to these core longings. You know, if the four is longing to be loved and seen for who they are, Jesus is saying, I see you. I know you. You can bring this to me. It's not too big for me. Nothing's too big for me. So um, a four could um ask the questions to the Lord, things like, when did I start to feel insignificant? Or what kinds of things, you know, make me feel insignificant? When was that message reaffirmed? When did I not feel seen in my life? Um, why do I feel like I'm missing something? When did I start believing that my worth is tied to my feelings of significance or authenticity. So these are these, you know, these deep questions that fours wrestle with, and really the only person that is, that has that depth and capacity to meet them in all those places is the Lord.
0: You know, what you said made me think, Shannon, that one of the blessings and one of the challenges of the time that we're living in is that um you know if, if we were alive 200 years ago your opportunities to to live different types of life or uh, pursue different dreams or occupations were very limited uh, depending on where you were in the world especially um now you know the world the world is your oyster you know there's so many options and it, and it's almost like I should be able to find this beautiful, significant life. I should be able to go out and do what I want and accomplish my dreams and, and find myself. And there's a lot about that, that aspect of finding yourself like that's every Disney movie. Right. Um, So I I could see how that would put a lot of pressure on force. Like it's kind of like when somebody from an, from a different culture comes to the U S and goes to Walmart and they're like, there are a hundred types of cereal. How do you choose from from any of these? And and I wonder if it feels overwhelming for four to, to have this need to feel significant and find themselves in life and there to be an endless amount of options that they're supposed to be able to choose from when in reality, life is not as
1: simple as that. Yeah, I absolutely think so. And one thing with fours is like Shannon said, they focus on what's missing more than what could be. And so um, it's really important to, um, I mean, and that brings value, right? We need to know what's missing. We need to know how we can improve things, but um, force focus on that to a fault sometimes where a growth point could be you know, asking the Lord why they're focused on the missing piece. Is it because I feel like something's missing inside of me? And many times that's what force feel like is that they are missing something that everybody else has. And so sometimes they try to um, prove their individuality um, outside of that, whether it's, um, like I said, some form of art or adventure or whatever it is, they're constantly trying to prove their significance. And so just to sit before the Lord and just to feel his presence and feel that they are loved for who they are um, and not for any other reason, any, and, and that they're not missing anything. They're not void or lacking anything. And a lot of times, again, Forbes also can compare themselves to other people, which is another piece of that. Um, They're missing something. So, just you know, know that they don't have to compare them to themselves to anybody else. That Jesus created them exactly um, the way that they are, and He loves them for who they are.
0: That that's really good, Stacy. And it it connects into something that Kevin and I were talking about on the previous episode of this podcast about when we when we approach God and we do it kind of with an open handed like we do with other relationships where we're not in control of the relationship and and it's not just about what we're hoping to get from God or what we're bringing you know on our list of things that we need to get taken care of but if we sit in that place what we've found at least is that God tends to speak to us about who he's made us to be about how he feels about us and it's a very affirming um, sort of relational connection about why I'm significant and it's because you know, I'm called, I'm created um, by God as some somebody that is unique, that is also invited to be a son or a daughter where um, there's a, a special relationship. And I can walk away from that feeling really affirmed. And I, I think that's part of the blessing of going to God with an open mind of like, I'm going to see what he thinks about me today. I'm just going to ask and just wait and see what, what comes into my mind. What do I hear? Um, what scriptures come up and, and it feels like over and over again, he really, God really affirms, um, those parts of us that need to know who we are and that, that we matter. And so I, I really encourage Forrest to do exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, it really, it reminds me of that verse. um, Y'all have to tell me, I always forget. I think it's in Matthew where he says, you know, you are much more valuable to me than the birds, than the sparrows. And I just always come back to that verse because he speaks our significance over us, you know, that yes, he's made us with our unique and distinct giftings and talents. And yes, we are valuable. And yes, we have a purpose and we have meaning in life. So I don't know, that verse just came to me. I wanted to share that for the fours. Mm
0: We want to take a moment and thank Wellspring process groups for sponsoring today's episode. Wellspring is an initiative Paul launched at the beginning of 2021 that provides people with a safe place to process the experiences they're facing in life. Whether you're going through challenges or transitions, or if you need a safe group of people to share life with for a season, we invite you to join a Wellspring process group. I've been in one of these groups, and it's been a life-changing experience for me. I encourage you to go to the show notes right now and contact Wellspring to find out when you can join a process group for yourself. So what about fives? And, and fives to me are some of the hardest to nail down and hardest sometimes to understand or connect with so tell us about five stacy
1: yeah so we with five we move into the head center or the thinking center so this is where we get into the fear and anxiety um space a little more and out of the shame um aspect of the enneagram so fives are called the investigator um they are um afraid of being useless helpless or incapable and that's sometimes why you see fives are very knowledgeable they're very um, they love research they kind of dive headfirst into any kind of research it's fun to them Um, and that is because their main desire is to be capable and competent Um, but somewhere along the life they heard that it's not okay to feel comfortable in this world and they're always um, feeling like their battery life is really low um, on, I think it's your Enneagram coach. Beth McCord always says it's kind of like um, your phone is on 10% all day and you're just like looking for a power source. That's why a lot of fives, fives don't have to be introverted, but a lot of them are. So they retreat and have to recharge um, alone or um, with a book or whatever it is. In, um in that more cerebral space is where they feel the most comfortable and the most um the most I guess at home but then they also desire relationships is sometimes they just don't know how to um sustain them they feel inadequate in that because they feel like they always have to be knowledgeable and capable and they're they they can not put their um their needs on anyone else either
0: say again what the the motive is for the five for the for the knowledge and kind of what they're what are they afraid yeah,
1: they're, of? They're, well, they're afraid of being useless, helpless, and incapable. Okay. And what they want is capable, to be capable and competent. They want to um, always have the wisdom and knowledge needed for any given situation. They never want to be caught off guard or um, seen as dumb or what they don't know what they're talking about. That's kind of their big fear. That's what they feel like they bring to the world is their knowledge and wisdom.
0: Do you think that stems from some sort of experience of, of uh, like a negative experience where there was lack and then they're like, well, I'm never going to let that happen again. I'm going to always be on top of my game or.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, they need to hear that their needs are not a problem and that they don't have to have all the answers all the time, that there is beauty in not knowing and asking questions and Um, so they are trying to manage their fear with knowledge. So all the head types are trying to manage their fear and anxiety in some way. And fives try to manage it with knowledge. So that's what they're grasping for, for, um, security.
2: And I would say the five particularly may have a hard time with that idea. I was mentioning earlier, the fruit to root because they're not as in touch with their feelings. They're in their head and they're analytical and you know, they're, they wanna learn and um, read and be in the book knowledge. And so I would say that you know, it might be a little bit harder for them to identify the root feelings, the emotions that are coming with um, some, of these,
1: some of these lies. Yeah, I can attest to that as an eight that goes to five in stress. Um, our mentor Shannon, we had the same one, and she always tells me, "Okay, Stacy, I know you know that, but what are you feeling?" And it is really difficult for me to tap into what am I feeling. I don't know, and I have to, I have to sit there and go to an uncomfortable place for me. Um, because it's so easy for me to turn that off. And fives are really good at turning off their emotions and thinking through things logically. And that can be good, but it can be bad when you need your emotions to deal with certain things.
0: So in, in the process groups that, that I facilitate, sometimes when there's, it's not just fives, but I've noticed this. And we, we go around and we talk about, okay, what are you, what are you feeling today? What's coming up as, maybe somebody's shared a story and a five will always, if you ask what they're feeling, a five will describe the feeling in, in thinking terms. They'll, they'll, they'll talk about what it means, you know, to have a feeling, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, no. What are you feeling? You know, it's like, you just, you feel like you're having to say the same thing over and over again, because they, they think about, what it means to feel. And so it really is, it's just not natural. It feels like for um, a five to tap into that, but it's there still. It's not that it's not there. It just takes extra work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That hits me deep. And it's, I feel weird things right now and I don't really know how to put it into words, (laughs) 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 but Shannon, you as a seven go to five in growth. So do you have anything to speak on with your experience, with that
2: line to growth? Well, it's funny, Stacy, because, you know, like you mentioned, we have the same mentor and she has to tell me that a lot too, even though I am a feelings person, but, you know, like you mentioned the triad, we're in the head triad as a seven, I'm in the head triad. And so I'm very analytical. And of course I just got my doctorate. So I love to learn and I love books and knowledge. And, um, so I, in a way I'm thinking that, you know, if the aren't necessarily going to trigger something, you know, there might be another avenue of fruit that, you know, fives can be aware of. And it could be, you know, Hey, I've got this, you know, it could be, I am, I'm independent. I don't need anyone. You know, fives don't like to have to rely on people. They want to be the one that's relied on the one that people come to for answers you know, so some other, what ifs could be, what if I'm incompetent? What if I don't have all the information? What if I don't know enough? And they're the the kind of person who's going to kind of hold back until they feel like they can sound smart, look smart and, and have the answers. Hmm. Um, So, you know, going back to how these things all relate back to a relationship with God, a five can sometimes feel like I don't need God you know, maybe they don't say it, maybe they don't even recognize it, but you know, are you taking care of you or are you going to the Lord to meet your needs and allowing him and trusting in him to, even if you don't have all the answers, that's okay. Your value and your worth is not defined by you having all the answers. So I think those are some of their, um, potential roots and fruit. And then, um, they can ask God questions like, you know, why do I think, Having needs is a problem. You know, when was that affirmed, Paul? As you mentioned, did something happen where I felt like I wasn't allowed to have needs, or, um, you know, that message was affirmed to me in something in my past? Um, they can ask God, when did I start believing that my safety is tied to my knowledge? So I think those are some um, unique ways that the five can wrestle with this.
1: I also want to add that. Because fives are so cerebral and so knowledgeable, and they're really good at research, they bring so much to the table um, when it comes to, especially in the Christian community of doctrine and theology and right thinking about God, because we can't truly love God unless we think rightly about God. Um, but there's also an aspect there where sometimes fives in an unhealthy state can also um Rely too much on the doctrine and theology side and not feel God and and have him meet have him meet them in their hurt and their pain and their emotion and I think that's something that a lot of fives can miss out on and and the Lord really wants to um, be that for them as well.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good, Stacy. Um, I, I I think fives are so valuable and if there's especially on teams I've worked on, like, if you don't have somebody that is wired that way, then, um, you're going to struggle. And so it's so not, it's so wonderful to have somebody that is wired towards like diving deep into information and understanding things. But I think if you are that person, we're also inviting you into, um, a connection with God. Maybe that is, is easy to neglect is, uh, to put it in a short way. Um, but let's move to one of my favorite numbers, the number six, and this is where we'll round out the conversation. So tell us about sixes. sixes.
1: Sixes are amazing. They're the loyalists. Um, so they are um, loyal to their people, loyal to their beliefs. They, they attach themselves almost because they are a fear of being without support and guidance. Um, and they feel like it's not okay to trust themselves. Um, A lot of people say, you know how ones have the inner critic, that person that's always telling them how they can do things better, how things can be better. Sixes have an inner committee. So they have a committee up there telling them all the different things that could happen, that could go wrong, to plan for. Um, And so this creates a lot of self-doubt. This creates a lot of um, doubt with authority, doubt with people around them and their motives. So Um, They want to feel safe and secure. This might be in their environment. This might be in their finances. This might be in their relationships. They just want that safety and security. And um, they want to hear that you're safe and secure. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear that they are um, not within harm's way. Um, A lot of people think that sixes are very just fearful all the time, which is not true. There's also what we call a counterphobic six, which kind of um, that's getting into a deeper layer of sixes, but they um, kind of suppress their fear and meet fear head on. Like the best defense is a good offense. Um, but sixes are honestly, in my opinion, the most courageous number because when someone is living in that much fear and that much, um, you know, the, the unknown is always just on the forefront of their mind and they're still showing up and still, still um putting that foot in front of the other and and doing the hard things that need to be done that shows me that they're probably the most courageous number on the enneagram
0: oh that's good uh so my wife is a six and she's been very she was one of the people that was disappointed that we didn't get to her number in the last episode so you know i've heard it said sixes are worst case scenario sort of people and that's kind of that that future oriented fear projecting you know, what what could go wrong. And so I'm going to prepare for everything in light of what might happen that could go bad. And there's definitely an aspect to that. For example, in in our relationship, one of the uh, the dramas that unfolds is packing for trips and <laughs> uh, the the amount of stuff that we take, And it's, it's kind of like the boy scout or girl scout model of be prepared because we've got, we feel, I feel like we've got everything that, that might possibly be needed whenever we pack. And I'm kind of like, oh, we, we, we can, we can take care of this, you know, last minute or we don't need that much stuff. And then Julie is just the opposite. She wants, it it bothers her tremendously if we're not ready. And then if we're, she wants to make sure we have this and that. And so Mm -hmm. That's just been one of the points of friction in our relationship that I feel like this number uh, really highlights is getting ready to go somewhere and what it takes to get ready to go somewhere.
2: But, you know, Paul, I know we were kind of joking about we really wanted to make sure we highlighted the strengths of the six. And, um, you know, the six is practical, they're loyal, they're trustworthy, they're prepared. And then one aspect of the six I saw is that they're witty. And I know Julie, her wit, her humor is, is very strong. So
0: <laughs> she is very witty. If she, if she feels safe in relationships, she lets that, that part of her personality show. And it is, it's kind of, and, and that's an interesting uh, facet. I don't know if, if she's typical or not, but she does have to kind of find that sense of comfort in a relational context. And when she does, then That witty, really kind of goofy, funny side comes out and and people can get to know her on another level.
2: That's a great point. I think that's very true of six is going back to that core need of security and safety. So that absolutely applies in relationships. They're definitely going to probably withhold a little bit until they feel safe and secure and know they can trust you. And then they're going to be willing to let their guard down a little bit more and, you know, you'll, they're going to be loyal, you know, and that's what they want. And that's what they're looking for too, in a relationship. So, you know, um, going back to our relationship with the Lord, you know, one of their lies, they could, um, possibly be, um, unaware of is that they're just not trusting in God, you know, they're trusting in themselves and they're assuring there's like a false sense of security and control there that if i think of everything and if i can plan then i can avoid bad things happening to me and that's just not true you know the lord is sovereign and he you know has a plan for us and we can prepare but ultimately you know his will is going to prevail and i think that's part of where that inner healing can happen when we can go to god and hear i will take care of you you know i am trustworthy And then being able to let go and just know that God's got you, God's going to take care of you, Um, you know, so their what if question they could be thinking, what if I'm left helpless? You know, what if something does go wrong? What if I'm unprepared? You know, those are a lot of their what ifs and they they can struggle with anxiety, um, you know, because they do think so many little things that not everybody does, um, but that can be a strength as well if they're able to surrender to the lord and allow you know him to kind of give them that comfort and that reminder like i've got you
0: you know i'm i moved to the six in unhealth isn't that right stacy yes okay and so one of the things i notice is that i can in in an unhealthy sort of way if i'm feeling really stressful i can kind of feel like the world's falling apart and like everything is bad you know instead of there being some good and some bad it's almost like no everything's you know crashing down around me life is i'm not going to be able to solve this i'm not going to be able to get out of this i'm stuck and so there is this almost um black and white sort of thinking that i i can get into Um, and i can't have perspective that there there is hope there is good there are people that love me. And so I I just wonder if that, so that that's my experience. I wonder if that is something else that a six might struggle with is um, kind of looking at things in a, in a bleak sort of way when the reality is there is bad, but there's also some good at the same time.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine how hard the last two years have been on sixes and all the unknowns and a lot of the scary things coming to fruition. And then there's a lot of scary things that are out there that don't happen, but people put them out there that they're going to happen. So sixes probably want to prepare for that. You know, there's a lot like end of the world kind of stuff, you know, that's being thrown out there right now. So for sixes right now, we have to remember this is a very, it's a stressful time for everybody, but especially for sixes, in my opinion. Um, And sixes can go to that, Three in stress too. They can tap into that and become um, just action, like to like, just kind of get lost in um, their doing and probably they're preparing. But I wonder, Paul, how how it plays out. I think it's interesting being a six and a nine um, married. Like she goes to a nine in growth. So do you see that play out in her as well? Once that, like if. When she is in a healthy space, that she becomes more optimistic and um, more nine like. You see that?
0: It's almost like we switch places sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering that. When I'm feeling like everything is bad, she can um, she can sometimes step into that perspective, like deeper perspective, and not only be there for me in the difficult space, but also say hey, no, here's some perspective on, on the world. Here's some other things to consider and to help me find some peace in the midst of that. And so, yes, she, do, she does move in that way where she also feels, I think, um, she also feels just more peaceful about life in those moments. It also very much has to do with her her spiritual connection with God. And I do think faith is a big deal for a six because they do have to really present those fears to the lord and i think offer them up and have god show up and say i'm with you i'm going to take these things and i'm going to i'm strong enough to fight for you i am strong enough to protect you and that's one of the pictures julie has sometimes in prayer is of a strong jesus that can take care of her and other people and can handle all anything the world can throw at her so that's that feels like Jesus meeting her and those that particular aspect of personality in a very um, necessary sort of way
1: That's incredible I love that visual and it reminds me that you know five sixes and sevens in the head triad you know how we said um, the some of the other triads need to stop like doing this triad needs to stop thinking and and just turn their mind off before the Lord and let him speak into that. And so that is a great spiritual practice for a six as all these, what ifs all this committee is going on just to turn down that noise and let the voice of God be elevated in their life and hear what he says about the hope that, he, that we have in him in our future.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And I think we're going to start to wrap it up here, but um, it's just been so much fun to have these conversations, to have the trilogy <laughs> with you all. Uh, we didn't bring in our Lord of the Rings characters. Maybe we can find a link to that somewhere, but um, it's just a huge blessing to get to spend time with, with both of you. So thank you so much. And, and I think other people are um, really appreciative of your insight as well.
2: Well, thanks for having us. We miss Kevin today, but it's been such a pleasure for me to get to hang with you guys um, and just dig into this stuff. I did want to end with a quote that I heard recently. I believe it's from a Brene Brown book, but it really spoke to me and it and it really um, re- is relevant to what we're talking about. It says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And I just... That really hit me because, you know, whatever, as we talked about today, our what ifs and all these different fears, no matter what our number is, you know, um, that's kind of like our cave. And there's something in there that's a treasure that we, to me, the treasure is being able to live freely in our Christ-given identity. So, um you know, remember that it's love beckoning you into the cave. It's Jesus inviting you in saying, no, I have something amazing for you in there, but you've got to get through the fear. Trust me. And we're going to get to that treasure.
0: Wow. Thank you, Shannon. That's we're good.
1: It's
0: mm-hmm. yeah. a great invitation. Stacey, thank you for walking us through the numbers today.
1: Thank you, Paul. And yeah, we missed Kevin. I missed my fellow eight on here, but um, this is a really good conversation. I pray that it is fruitful in the lives of all who hear it.
0: Yes. And, and for everybody listening, we're so thankful that you've, you've listened in today and we do ask that you would uh, follow the podcast, subscribe, like make some comments uh, when whatever streaming service that you are, are using and just get back to us with, we'd love to have your feedback about what is helpful and, and what you uh, would like to hear more of. And I'm sure you would like to have Shannon and Stacey back as well. So talk about more of what you're interested in. And most of all, we want you to know you are not alone. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions or thoughts on this topic, we encourage you to email us at the address in our show notes or contact Shannon or Stacy. Please visit our Facebook page as well and share your thoughts. Also in our notes section is an opportunity to support people who are suffering from the war in Ukraine. Please check out Eastern European Missions through the link in our notes and explore their options for direct support of people in Ukraine and refugees in surrounding countries. Special thanks to Cheyenne Matters for producing our music and thanks to Wellspring Process Groups for sponsoring this episode. If Creative for Connection has been helpful for you, please drop a review on whichever podcast service you're using. And please share with your friends and anyone you think might appreciate these conversations. We'll see you next time.